Amen. Thank you for your giving. Amen. Your liberality. Thank you, platform workers. Before we start this morning, I had a tremendous outreach yesterday. We've got two testimonies. Kadero and Curtis are going to come. Give us a report what God did. Let's give them a hand as they come this morning. Come on, guys. Curtis. Kadero. All right. How y'all doing? It's a privilege to be in the house of God once again. Um, just give you a, a little quick review of our street evangelism yesterday. Had a great time. Had a lot of open people. You know, um, even me and um, Ryan, we went across the street over to the barber shop to witness the people, to give them our testimony, to show them how God changed our lives, to give them that hope because everybody needs hope. You know, you know, Jesus is the hope. That's the only hope we have. So. Um, we just given the gospel, got up, came back across the street, got on the bullhorn, and did the same thing, trying to proclaim Jesus' name in our city. And uh, we had a lot of open hearts. People stopped, you know, wanted a flyer, ran across the street, gave them a flyer, because you never know. You know, God can speak to them through that flyer as well. So um, I encourage you, if you've never been to, the, you know, do street preaching or anything, I encourage you to go, man. It stirs your faith, and it, it helps you with your walk with God. Um, so... Yeah, that's pretty Amen. much it. Amen. Like our brother said, we went out yesterday mixing it up. Amen. Uh, you know, we went out to the uh, corner over here, Wawa, and uh, preached the gospel. And it was, uh, like you said, it's very encouraging. Um, it's always a, a good time when we stir the gift that God has put within us. And we're preaching it out to all the people, the passerbys, and uh, like our brother said, we had very good responses, people stopping, people looking. Um, you know, they probably thought we was, you know, Black Lives Matter, but, you know, we were telling them it's the blood that matters. Amen. And so, uh, you know, we had, a, we had a really good time. And I, I know I was, out of all the times we normally do this, I was especially encouraged yesterday because, um, I mean, every, we had a good group and everyone got on the bullhorn. Even all the children that were out there, they were on the bullhorn. The teenagers that are out there, they were on the bullhorn. And so... Uh, we were out there and we were unashamed uh, yesterday. Um, and so just uh, continue to flow within uh, what God is doing uh, in our church and in our hearts. And uh, we're going to continue to do something for God. So uh, get on board. Amen. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. You get your Bibles, Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 this morning. Amen. We all love to read, cheer, and even celebrate the great heroes of the Bible. How many of you ever read the Bible and just, I mean, you get on one hero and just like, wow. You know, just, uh, we love that, don't we? Read about Noah against all the odds. Amen. Build an ark to save his family. Abraham's willingness to sacrifice Isaac. Moses leading the people of e out of Egypt. Elijah cast, calling down fire. Elisha raising the dead to life. David fighting Goliath, Nehemiah rebuilding the walls, Rahab hiding the spies, Esther becoming queen. Uh, and if you read them stories, they're not just stories, they're real uh, testimonies in the Bible, things that God did for his people, but, but stirring, isn't it? I mean, read about these where God uh, takes nothing and makes it something. God does a powerful miracle. But I want to draw your attention to another great story, and that's a good Samaritan this morning. I uh, mean, the, the, it's a story of compassion, hope, giving, and healing, but there's a lot there I believe God would minister to us, so read this with me, 
Luke chapter 10, we'll start verse 30. Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from, Jer- from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. Verse 34. So he went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine, and set him on, uh, set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, took care of him. Verse 35. The next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, whatsoever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name this morning, God, I'm asking you, God, to breathe up on this service, God, to speak to us, God, to break hardness of heart, God, I cast it down, Uh, God, I break its power, God, I pray, God, give us your heart, your compassion for the lost, for the hurting, God, I pray, God, give us people, God, that have your eyes, God, that can see the wounded, the hurting, minister to them, I pray, help us this morning, God, be your church, your people, in Jesus' name, God's people say amen. I preach on the need for compassion this morning. I want to look at three things this morning. Let's look look first at a world in need. Amen. How many know we live in a hurting world right now? As you look around, uh, amen, we see cruelty, we see unkindness, selfishness, uh, different abuses, uh, uncaringness. Uh, This is not just our generation. It's been all through the Word of God. It's in our text, verse 30. A certain man went from Jerusalem or down from Jerusalem to Jericho fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. When we read the news, uh, our morning news this morning, it's filled with stories of violence, hatred, racism, riots, gang killings, uh, cities uh, burning, politicians that have sold their soul for re-elections. As you read the, uh, I mean, the morning news, it's heartbreaking that a great nation has succumbed, amen, to such... Uh, amen, things, amen, but this has been all through history. I was reading a story today on Fox News, a woman and her child in Philadelphia were killed while sleeping a couple nights ago simply because a guy shot up the wrong house. But you read stories like this, it's heartbreaking, but it gives you the idea and the revelation that there's a lot of people out there that's hurting, uh, a man that's just wounded by society. In our text, this man is a victim to a fallen Society. The Bible said hate was there. His body was beaten half to death. Indecencies there stripped from his clothing. Uh, greed is there, robbed him of his money. And caring is there, left them half dead, left him there to die. And we look at that, and that, that's heartbreaking. If you get your mind around that, if you can imagine uh, somebody doing that to another individual, but that's our generation. That's society today that we're living in. We see this all the time. Uh, and we see the great need uh, uh, for the church to be there. You know, the violence of writing that we are seeing in, our, in the streets of uh, 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 Portland, the senseless killings that we're seeing in the streets of Chicago, the homeless problem that we're seeing in California is just a scratch of the surface of a deeper problem. And that problem is a sin problem. What we're seeing today, we can point our fingers, we can say this and that, uh, 
But if you rip all the veneer back, amen, it's a sin problem. God identifies it as that. Uh, Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve turned their backs to God uh, and reached out in rebellion to touch the tree, immediately murder, hatred, violence, and uncleanness were born into the world. Uh, it came to the world, and from that point, uh, it's been spreading like cancer through every uh, life, every generation, all people, uh, through all time, and we're done with it today. We know sin darkens the heart, pollutes the mind, uh, and corrupts the body, Genesis 6, 5. Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, that every intent of his heart was only continuously evil. Amen. So we see sin destroys people, places, and nations. You read the book of uh, Judges, uh, and it's, it's a picture of the grace of God on a, on a people that keep falling into sin, and they keep falling, getting back up, falling, getting back up again. But sin darkens the heart, pollutes the mind, and corrupts the body. We see it in Judges. You know, you read through Judges, uh, uh, you talk, it talks about Samson's pride, Dan's idolatry, Benjamin's sexual immorality, but every time you read it, it's destroyed lives. It's destroying families, nations of people, uh, colors of people. Uh, so you read all through the book of Judges, you just want to say, stop your insanity. I don't know if you read it through it, you just kind of like, stop, man. Uh, just serve God, do the will of God, because there's so many examples every time you Give yourself to sin. Every time you fall down, there's judgment again. You know, the hatred, the violence that we're seeing today is not a race problem. I don't care what people say. It's not a race problem. It's a sin problem. You know, another president, more stimulus money, taking down all the historical statues that offend people is not going to fix the problem. These are not problem fixers this morning. First uh, Corinthians uh, 9, Paul tells the Corinthians that the only cure for their sin problem is Jesus and the gospel. Verse 9, 1 Corinthians 9, uh, Do not be deceived, nor the fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, thieves, nor covetousness, nor drunkards, revilers, extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. But look at the change. But such were some of you. What happened? The gospel was preached to them. Uh, uh, amen. They're, they're, they're walling around all this vomit called sin, all this uh, dirtiness. Uh, the gospel is preached to them. Uh, Paul says, but such were some of you. A miracle happened in their heart, but it said, you are washed, uh, you're sanctified, you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. So is Jesus Christ, uh, he's a cure for humanity, not another program, not another march, uh, not another idea. It's Jesus. Can you say amen? When people get right with Jesus, society is fixed. Let's go to Jonah 3. So then, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I will tell you. So Jonah rose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. And he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, uh, and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Think about this. Uh, Nineveh is as bad as you can get, so worse to the worst. Uh, but what changed it was the preaching of the gospel. The preaching of the gospel goes out, uh, and immediately change begins to take place. That's the only thing that's going to work in our 
day. That's why I was encouraged about yesterday, the testimonies, the preaching. Uh, Dion sent me some video of it. I wasn't able to make it yesterday. Dion sent me some video of it. Uh, uh, I see Ryan out there preaching, see some others. Uh, I said, that's, that's good. That's a good thing. Amen. Uh, lives are being changed, uh, but it's the gospel being preached. It goes on to say, then the word of the Lord came to Nineveh, uh, or the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and set in ashes, and caused it to be proclaimed uh, and published throughout Nineveh by a decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let every man, or let neither man nor beast nor flock taste anything. Do not let uh, them eat nor drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and cry mightily to God. Uh, here's the change, amen. Uh, uh, Nineveh's wicked, it's ungodly, it's violent, covered with all kinds of immorality and sin. Uh, they hear the gospel from the king down. Uh, the king, upon hearing the word of God, puts out a decree, uh, listen, we need to repent, we need to call out on God. And listen, that's what's going to happen today if we're going to see change. Uh, the word of God has to get out. Jesus is the only answer for the violence, the hatred, uh, and the political unrest we're seeing today. Uh, Against none of the presidents, none of their stimulus package. Uh, uh, it's Jesus Christ we need today. Brings me to my second thought. Let's talk secondly the business of the church. Because we can complain about all the wickedness and righteousness in the world, uh, and I'm with you. I can't stand it either. But let's talk about the business of the church. In our text, after this display of violence, hatred, and greed, uh, uh, by simple man, Jesus says in verse 31, Now by chance a priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived to the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. Now the priest and the Levite represent the church here, the body of Christ. Those to whom Jesus gave the commission to go into all the world uh, and preach the gospel. But notice uh, what the priest and Levite did. There wasn't their preaching. They didn't use this as an opportunity uh, to stand a, a street preach or declare Jesus to lay hands on the sick. Uh, they simply looked at this man, uh, went across the street, and walked away. Uh, that's not the gospel this morning. We live in a dangerous world. But the gospel is the light and the answer for hope uh, and healing and change in this dangerous world. You remove the gospel, uh, the world's really in trouble. You know, not only has the world got itself lost in sin, but the church has lost, is lost in focus. I want to focus on that for a moment. Because we can complain about the world being lost uh, uh, in sin, uh, being as bad as it is, but let's talk about the church this morning because we're part of that church. Uh, and the Bible talks in our text here about the church losing its focus. The church has turned inward and it's lost focus. You know, the church world has turned to music, seminars, and programs, uh, and this has become their new focus. Uh, feed the flock, not evangelize the world. And uh, you read Christian magazines today, you look at Christian churches uh, across America and the world, uh, there's no talk about, let's go street preach. There's no talk about, let's go evangelize, knock on doors. It's all about music, seminars, and programs. Let's feed the flock. You'll never hear sermons like door-to-door -door evangelism for most churches. You never hear challenges, uh, street preaching, uh, outdoor concerts. That's not there. The church has lost its focus. Uh, 
uh, amen, uh, and, and, and now it's turned just to feeding the flock. And most certainly, you'll never hear and see a pastor, a minister witnessing and trying to win a soul. This is why Jesus touched on the priest and Levite. Because the priest who should be leading the charge, uh, he's the pastor, he's the minister, uh, he should be the most concerned about this, uh, this dying soul, amen, this wounded, hurting soul. Uh, uh, he, he's first in line, he should be first in line, and caring and wanting to help. He is the priest, his minister, saw the wounded man, uh, but passed by on the other side of the road. The Levites, who are disciples, came and looked, seen the hurt, the pain, the damage done to the body, and followed the pastor all the way to the other side and went down the road. That's most of the church world today. Yeah, I mean, as you talk to people, I'm not bashing churches, but I am bashing churches this morning because most of the church world has lost its focus. Uh, no longer, let's go get a soul, let's make a convert. Uh, it's uh, more of this just sing a, a, a program or do something. Uh, let's do something so we can all feel good about it. It must not go reach a soul for Jesus anymore. Commentators tell us the reason the priest saw the wounded but passed uh, uh, but passed on the other side is because he was in a hurry to go to Jericho uh, to, for, to perform his religious duties. He was leaving Jerusalem, going to Jericho, one of their baby churches uh, or, from, or, or fellowship churches. Uh, he's on a mission. I'm going to go preach down there. Uh, so uh, this is going to interrupt his schedule a little bit. But more than that, under the priest's rules, uh, if a priest touched a dead body, He'd be unclean for seven days, uh, and this man feared to lose his turn of duty in the temple. Take no chances, said the priest. Take no chances to help this man. Uh, he may, he's going to die anyway. You're not going to be able to minister at all. Uh, take no chances. Uh, and that's a lot of the priests today, a lot of the pastors uh, and ministers of churches today. They don't want to get their hands dirty. They don't want to be put out. They don't want to sacrifice uh, because it's going to take work. The priest is not going to willing to sacrifice an opportunity to preach for a wounded, dying man. The priest forgot Hosea 6.6, where God said, I desire mercy and not sacrifice and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. The Levites uh, was, more, uh, uh, was moved uh, enough to walk over, at least look at the body, look at the man, uh, but not enough to help. Because the Levite, following his pastor probably, uh, uh, meant, uh, this meant time spent, effort, energy, and money. Uh, and I'm not willing to spend myself on this guy. Think about the church's responsibility here. The priest and the Levite, uh, God gave us a great commission, going to all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples of all nations. Jesus gave his power and his word uh, uh, to get people saved, to get people healed, delivered. Uh, Here's an opportunity, but both the pastor and disciple, uh, uh, because of work, labor, sacrifice, money spent, whatever, uh, walks away, doesn't minister to this need, uh, a missed opportunity. Uh, who knows what this next disciple could have been here? Who knows what this man could have become in the house of God, but because the priest uh, and the Levite, the pastor and disciples, had no vision for this lost soul. They've lost their focus uh, uh, men, they've turned inward. Just let me focus on my ministry here. Let me focus on what I'm doing inside the church. Uh, uh, they've lost an opportunity to get somebody saved here. You know, the world is lost in sin, but the bigger problem 
is the church has lost its focus. Think about Jesus' ministry. 70, 75% of it uh, was focused on evangelism. Was focused on getting the soul saved. Somebody converted, working with somebody, getting them. Think about Jesus' disciples. They were a, a lot of work, man. They were a lot of work, but Jesus brought them along, worked with them, uh, and labored with them, and we had the gospel today. See, if we're not careful, we, we as a church can become like this priest and this Levite. Too busy to minister and care for people. We can be so concerned about our own stuff, amen, in the house, inside the house of God, uh, our own ministry that we lose focus on what's the real issue. He says, well, I can't do both, Pastor. Yeah, you can. Acts 3, Peter and John on their way to morning prayer. Thank God for that. A lame man begins to cry out for help. Uh, Peter and John take the time to pray for him. And what happens? Man gets powerfully healed, doesn't he? Amen. They're involved in ministry. They're involved in things in the kingdom of God. Uh, they're on their way to church to prayer. They're probably, um, uh, who knows, maybe got their suit on, whatever. But, uh, but they took the time. Listen, we're going to minister. There's a need here. And who knows what that man became. The Bible says he joined with them. He's praising God, uh, going to the house of God. We don't read about him later, but he could have been one of the great disciples in the word of God. He could have been one of the seven uh, later that was sent out. He could have been the lineup, the preaching. Who knows? But they took the time to, to minister as they're ministering to church. Uh, they still have a focus for sinners, for the hurting, the lost, uh, and it still can be done today. Acts chapter 8, Philip goes down to Samaria, and the whole city receives the gospel of joy, and many get saved. Amen. He's involved in ministry. Uh, he's moving in the things of God, but he still sees a need. He, he preaches to a city, uh, and they all respond. Listen, we, we can't lose our focus. We can't lose our focus on souls uh, and converts, because if we lose that, we lose everything. truth, you know, this morning, many people are an inconvenience. When I got saved, I inconvenienced my pastor a lot. I'm going to lie to you. Me and Mona's marriage was horrible. Our minds were horrible. We were just sinners off the street. Uh, didn't even know anything. And we didn't know nothing. And uh, they brought us in there. And I mean, I would show up at their dinner time, set their table. I'm going to lie to you. I didn't want to eat. I just wanted to be there. They go, hey, you want something to eat? Yeah, since we're here, I'll take some. <laughs> but I, I, didn't, I didn't mean to be rude. I wouldn't in, mean to be inconvenient. We were just desperate people. Yeah. Me and my wife were desperate for something real, desperate for a change, desperate to be healed up. And I remember just going to sit in his driveway many times. Uh, my wife said, you're crazy. I said, I know it, uh, but I want to be around him. We'd sit in his driveway. He'd come rolling up. Uh, uh, and we'd say, hey, what's up? He'd say, come on in. I remember, you know, new converts have no sensitivities. I'm 20. You know, he's 40. You know, I'm thinking he, he's 20 like me. I can stay up to 1 or 2 in the morning and get up and go to work at 5 or 6. No biggie. But he's 40, 40, whatever he was. I don't remember. But he wasn't able to do that. So it got to where he paid the price for a while, but it got to where he just said, Larry, shut off the lights, lock the door, and you leave. I'm going to bed. And you would think that would have been a good hint for me. 
but it wasn't. I said, okay, no problem, I'll do that. <laughs> he had to work out with some guys. Uh, you know, he's pioneering the church here. We're just a small church, 20 people. And pe- men begin to get saved like me. Some of my friends came in and got saved. And I remember we're playing spades, you know, we're playing cards, and this disciples start fighting. I mean, we were getting a fist fight over some spades, you know, and, and, you know, we still got a little bit of the world in this, you know, and, and finally, man, he gets up, slams his hand down the table, takes all the cards, uh, you guys are being a bunch of babies, uh, go home. We're like, whoa. Man, we wore that for a while, man, we made pastor mad, you know, and, <laughs> but you know, we had all kinds of scenes like that. But what I'm saying, he was willing to get dirty for us and with us uh, and show us the gospel, the light, uh, and help us live for God. Are we still willing to do that? Are you still willing to be inconvenient uh, to help somebody? You see somebody new in church, uh, amen, are you moved to go talk to them, sit with them? Uh, hey, what's your order? Let's do something. Or have you lost your focus? So we're so focused on us many times, our ministry, we don't have a eye for anybody else. Jesus said in Luke 11, verse 33, no one, when he lights a lamp, puts it in a secret place or under a, bu- under a basket, but puts on a lampstand that all who come in may see the light. You know, people need to see your light. People need to see the change uh, that God has made in your life. This is what's so powerful about the gospel this is why the gospel is so needed. Uh, when the priest and Levite went by, uh, think about how they could have changed the dynamics of the whole scene. Because uh, they probably weren't the only ones there. There's probably other people watching. People are always watching. There's other people there. Think of the impact it could have made uh, if that priest would have called his disciple over, hey, Levites, uh, hey, let's minister, let's, let's do something, let's get this guy in our animal, bring him to an end, let's, let's heal him up, let's do something. Imagine the impact. Because when a church makes a splash, the world notices. But they notice everything else, too. They notice when the church doesn't care. Look, lastly, at the Good Samaritan here. Because this is where Jesus really puts his attention here. The Good Samaritan placed the hurting soul before everything else. You know, the Samaritans and the Jews despised and hated each other. This is the miracle of this text. Jesus tells the, the priest uh, and Levite the church, you should have done this. But now people that hate each other uh, are more compassionate than you are. A, a Samaritan who hates Jews, uh, and this man was probably a Jew, most commentaries think, uh, uh, that, that was wounded and beat and left half dead. He's a Jew. Uh, but the Samaritan that hates the Jews, uh, no prejudice has ever ran deeper than uh, between these two people, they hated each other. But here's the Samaritan who hated the Jews uh, uh, in the natural, was more compassionate than his church. That's a slap in the face. That should never be. Verse 33, but the Samaritan came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. You know, the definition of compassion it's found in verse 34. He bandaged his wounds, poured on oil and wine, set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. Think of all the work there. When we say we have compassion, it's not just, oh, I feel sorry for him. Oh, he's bleeding everywhere. 
No, it's, it's more than that. Uh, it just didn't stop with words. Amen. He put it in action again. Uh, he bandaged his wound, poured in oil and wine or medicine. Uh, he put him on his own animal, took him to an end, uh, and said, take care of him. Verse 35, the next day, when he departed, stayed there all night with him. He took out money and gave it to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him. Whatsoever more you spend, when I come again, I'm going to come back and check on him. I'll repay you. So think about this. Besides the help and the effort, uh, he gave the innkeeper two denarii, which amounted to about 24 to 28 days uh, of stay in a hotel. Hey, Amen. He puts out almost a month's salary immediately. This guy's in bad shape. Uh, I'm going to come back and keep checking on him, but here's some extra money in case there's some extra stay involved. Uh, that's compassion. Compassion is not just words only, but it's going the extra mile. It's, it's doing whatever we can for the soul once they get saved. Uh, or once we uh, you know, begin to uh, minister, we go all the way. We don't stop halfway. Now, like what Mr. Bob put up on the sign last week, all one blood. I like that. I love when people come to our church and see all colors and races worshiping and fellowshipping together. That's a shock to a lot of the world. Because you have your white churches, black churches, Mexican churches, Puerto Rican churches, uh, and that's what they are. You get your Asian churches. Uh, but to come into a house of God uh, and you see people worshiping, loving God together, that's a miracle. Yeah. Our church, a miracle of God. Uh, and Bob Seaton had put it on the side, all one blood this uh, week. Uh, no racism here. I love that. Amen. Amen. Because it tells the story. Amen. You can come in. Uh, doesn't matter where you're from, where you're uh, going through in life. Amen. You're welcome here. Jesus sees all with one blood. Luke or Mark 6.34. says Jesus saw a large crowd of black, white, and brown. Doesn't say that. says Jesus saw a large crowd, and when he saw them, he had compassion on them. Jesus didn't just say, I have compassion on the blacks. That's a Black Lives Matter message. Or I have compassion on the whites. Whatever group that is out there. There's a group for it, trust me, somewhere. <laughs> but Jesus loves everybody. And when his church gets that in them and understands that, uh, amen, this priest and the Levite missed it. They've lost focus on the real issue, amen, of life. And that is God's people, uh, precious souls that are hurting, wounded, and dying. Uh, and the need for the church to reach out and the church being the only answer. Again, the Samaritan, uh, uh, Jesus, it was kind of a slap in the face uh, to the church uh, because, again, here's a, a Samaritan who hates the Jews uh, and the natural has more compassion in his church. Let me ask you, have you allowed the world to have more compassion for the broken than you have? Are you even moved when you see somebody desperate, hurting, especially when they come to the house of God. I read a story about Mary Ann Bird. She grew up knowing that she was different, and she was hated for it. She's a little girl. Let me give you the background. She's a little girl. She's growing up. She realized, I'm, I'm different. I don't look like everybody else. I'm different. And kids made fun of her. Kids hated her. She knew it. She was born with a cleft lip. It was a severe cleft lip, uh, and it left her deformed, but she was still intelligent. She still went to school like all the other kids, but 
she's different. You know, kids can be cruel sometimes, can't they? Anyway, she gets saved and she, re- she writes a book later. And in her book, she talked about uh, what changed her life in one day. She said her second grade teacher, Mr. Leonard, Mrs. Leonard uh, uh, changed her name. said, what Mrs. Leonard would do once a year, uh, Ms., uh, and maybe you remember in school doing this, the, the teacher would give you a hearing test. So what she did once a year, she'd have her, their second graders that time, second grade lined up against the wall, and she'd say something to them. It's like, I like your shoes, the color of your shirt, and they had to repeat it or something like that. So, you know, she went through a number of the kids. Well, it's her turn coming up. People are still laughing and, and looking at her and different things. And she's standing there listening to the words. She wants to get it right to show any more embarrassment on her. But she said these words changed her life. She said seven words changed my life that day. Miss Leonard said in her whisper, I wish you were my little girl. She said them seven words changed her life forever. How many times has seven words changed the sinner in here? When you simply tell them, you know, God loves you, God cares about you. You don't have to be seven words, but, but just words. You say, you know what, God cares about you. God can help you. God can change your marriage, your life. God got an answer for you. I mean, just simple words to us, but it's life-changing to them. Change the world because, listen, all their life, you know how to sin, sinners, uh, uh, makes you a target. But I want to challenge you to have compassion. We live in a cruel, brutal world today. Uh, amen. Many victims lie in our streets. Uh, would you have compassion this morning? Would you keep your focus? The church world in a whole has lost its focus, uh, mostly on talent, abilities, uh, what can you do inside the house of God? Not so much, can you reach a sinner? I want to challenge you to keep your focus this morning. And the focus is reaching the soul for Jesus, making a convert in the house of God, working with somebody that's struggling, wounded, helping them out. Compassion brings healing and life. Think about this soul. Let me close here. Think about this soul that was left half dead, wounded, beat up, embarrassed, they stripped him of his clothes. Think about how the compassion changed his life. I mean, a life changer. You've got somebody in your life you can probably look at, they witness you, work with you. Uh, you never forget that person because the investment they made in you, the life you, they changed uh, was you. Uh, think about the impact you can make on other people. Compassion is not just in words, but it's in details. Remember, the he didn't just say, oh, hey, man, I feel sorry for you, man. You're looking bad. But he paid the price. Poured him the oil of the wine, put him on his animal, paid the hotel bill. That's, that's real compassion. Amen. So I want to challenge you, amen, don't lose that focus. Uh, amen. You keep it, and we're going to see our church grow. And Pastor Brooks always said, we're going to be a conference church one day. We have that heart. We have that vision. Listen, God's not going to stop building here. Amen. 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 Let's bow our heads this morning.